Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 303 of Linux in the Hampshire. This is the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the intertubes. And we are your hosts. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. All right. And this is episode number 303, which means it's the weekender. And it's the weekender number 34. So we've done 34 weekenders. And this is where we talk about upcoming events and things that you can participate in, whether it be amateur radio or open source related. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, the worlds of Linux in the ham shack uh, so we can keep this kind of relevant. And then we dive into the fun stuff, the food, the drinking, the merriment, and all of that that makes a wonderful weekend, which is why we call it the weekender. But we'll start off in a dry county with Bill telling us about contests coming up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so this weekend we have the ARRL uh, EME contest. That's the Earth Moon Earth contest, and that runs from uh, 0000 Zulu, September 21st, to 2359 Zulu, September 22nd. Uh, modes, of course, all of them, and bands 2.3 gigahertz and up. So this is the uh, the other version of the EME contest that uh, starts a little higher, <laughs> so you need some special equipment there. The exchange, of course, is the uh, signal report. And uh, let's see some notes here. Each uh, U.S. state, VE province, and DXCC country can be worked once per band, and those are your multipliers. And the link is in the show notes. We also have the collegiate uh, QSO party, and that's running from uh, 0000 Zulu all the way on September 21st to 2359 Zulu, September 22nd. And this one is on all bands, all modes, but no work. So stay away from the work, but you can work uh, anybody uh, anywhere. <laughs> That's right. The exchange, of course, is a school name abbreviation, uh, plus your signal report and your operating class. And if you don't have a school, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> talk to somebody else's school. You can still talk to them. Yes, you don't need a school name. Uh, so go ahead and do that. Uh, the event is open to all radio amateurs. Points can be earned by individuals, clubs, and collegiate stations. The Collegiate QSO Party encourages uh, alumni to connect with their alma mater and students to work uh, to network with other schools. New hams are welcome and stations are encouraged to accommodate to be accommodating to new radio amateurs. And that's linked from the uh, Gator Radio Club. Let's see. Next weekend, I only had one contest in here because it's the only one that matters. It's the CQ Worldwide DX Contest, Riddy Mode. It is uh, running from 000 Zulu on September 28th to 2400 Zulu, September 29th. And the mode, of course, is Riddy Warbles. And band is uh, 80 through 10, no work. Your exchange is going to be your RST plus CQ zone plus uh, state or VE area if you're in the U.S. or, uh, you know, 
North America. Uh, multipliers are good once per band. So work everyone once per band. And you can, of course, find that link over on the CQ Worldwide site. All right. Very cool. Some some big contests there. CQ Worldwide is one that happens a lot. Of course, they have a bunch of different kinds. Just remember, no worky the worky. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, you don't have to worry about that on the EME contest because there's no work up in the 2.3 gig range. So <laughs> No, absolutely not. All right, so next we have some special event stations. We have the Grand Canyon Centennial event. This runs from September 28th through October 6th, uh, 0701 Zulu to 0700 Zulu. I'm going to assume that's just like the whole way through, basically, <laughs> from 700 <laughs> to 700. Uh, the call sign, the special event call for this is Kilo 7 Golf. Uh, of course, it's going to be out of Grand Canyon, Arizona, and operated by the Northern Arizona DX Association. Uh, places you might find them are 14225, 14074-7175, and 7074. And you can get a certificate and QSL specially commemorating this event if you contact K7G. And it's uh, celebrating the Grand Canyon National Park Centennial from 1919 to 2019. So check it out. Uh, you can find more information at the link that will be in the show notes. So do it. Uh, also, we have the Retreat 100th Anniversary World's Fair from September 28th at 13. Well, September 28th and September 29th from 1300 Zulu to 0200 Zulu each day, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, the call sign is going to be Whiskey 9 Romeo. Uh, they're out of DeSoto, Wisconsin, the Pine Valley Repeater Club. You might be able to find them on 14310. And... Uh, on CWPSK and FT8, and all bands on single side band. So there you go. There is also a certificate in QSL available for that special event, and it is commemorating a very small, according to Bill, community fair. <laughs> that was according to them. <laughs> according to them, it, yeah. and reported by you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the link, of course, will be in the show notes. is W9PVR.org. Check that out. And there's also the WWV Centennial. Lots of Centennials. Boy, 1919 must have been a good year. Uh, this runs from September 28th at 0100 or 0000 Zulu, 0000 Zulu, uh, to October 2nd, 2359 Zulu. Uh, call sign is WW0WWV. Hopefully, this is not CW. <laughs> uh, out of Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, and the WWV Amateur Radio Club and the Northern Colorado Amateur Radio Club, I'm assuming is what that is. Uh, frequencies will be 7038, 7238, 14038, and 14238. Operations will be from 160 to 6 meters, no 60 and no 12. However, apparently 17 and 30 are going to be in there. So there's some work. Yeah. Uh, please see the website for specifics and also Facebook. Uh, you can look at WWV100 and WWV underscore 100 for Facebook and Twitter, respectively. And also check out WWV100.com. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. So that's all we have in the way of special events. There, of course, are lots more special event stations. Just uh, look for them if you want to try out something else. So we're down to announcements. Do we have any announcements? announcements. Um, just uh, might as well put it out there. We're, we are one month away from Jamboree on the air. So get registered. Get your plans together and get ready to work some scouts. All right. Just everybody just ignore the bill mentioned the boy scouts yet again. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Yep. I'm going to try and work Jota. I mean, uh, I'm trying to work a lot of stuff now just to get myself back in amateur radio way more than I have been in a long time. So, so, uh, with that, we'll move on to the Linux and the Hamshack ham radio challenge for this week. Uh, well, this fortnight. And, uh, I put this one in here because I just did this <laughs> with the help of a couple of friends. I've had an antenna, a two meter, 70 centimeter dual band antenna, um, base station antenna that's been sitting in my room, leaning up against a bookshelf for about three and a half years. And that's how long it's taken me to get off my ass and actually get it put in the air. But it is in the air. So your challenge this week, Bill, is if you have an antenna that may be laying on the ground that you can't use, maybe. Many. Exactly. Many. <laughs> uh, you should go out and fix that situation. There's so. like seven antennas down by my feet. <laughs> <laughs> I got every band of hamstick down here. And as I, as I mentioned, uh, I don't know if you heard me mention it earlier, but I left the original coax up there and ran a new one, but I left that coax on the mast so that I could put up a six meter antenna. Yes. <laughs> yes. Go buy like a halo or a, or a, a whatever the par, par, uh, square, par triangle thingy. <laughs> yeah. Well, just buy a halo for six. That's all you need. Something yeah. omnidirectional. Right. Not a vertical. Don't okay. get a vertical. Don't get a vertical. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good because a vertical would be really hard to, to put up on the mass that I have currently in my current configuration. So something other than vertical would be great. Yeah. <laughs> so. And you can build a halo really easy yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, that may be one of my projects. So so take that as a challenge. Put an antenna in the air that's been on the ground for a long period of time or build a six-meter halo. Just, there you go. So <laughs> you'll be ready for e-season. So you got like out until like next summer. <laughs> <laughs> right. We still get some sporadic openings now, but you know, e-season's done. Yeah. Well, okay. So I've got some time. Oh, I can also so maybe for Christmas, right? Or whatever you celebrate. Christmas. There you go. Get yeah. a Christmas present. So, something like that. All right. <laughs> get a Halo I... for Christmas. They're like fifty bucks or something like that. <laughs> and also figure out how to solder. There we go. Yeah. Uh all right. So moving on, let's talk about this weekend in open source. And Bill, you've picked out a distribution that we all should go ahead and give a try. Yeah, so uh, I've been hearing a lot about this every time somebody talks about running Linux apps on Chromebooks, and this, of course, is Gallium OS. And uh, if you have a Chromebook that you wish to run a full install of Linux on, not just some Linux apps, uh, this is designed specifically for doing that. It's self-proclaimed as a fast and lightweight Linux distro for Chrome OS devices. You can... Uh, <laughs> You can get builds of the system for your specific chipset that comes loaded uh, with your uh, with a Chromebook specific with the Chromebook specific mouse driver to behave like a Chromebook. Surprise, surprise, and and runs with Zubuntu as uh, as the GUI, so or XFCE, I guess. <laughs> I'm not sure right. why I put Zubuntu on there, but yeah, <laughs> XFCE. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, if you want to try a lightweight uh, Linux distro on your Chrome OS device, like you've gotten, you've grown up, and you want to you know get away from the the Chrome. Uh, you know, running everything. Uh, give this one a try. I've heard lots of good, lots of good feedback on this particular OS and, and it's very specific for the build. So it must be, you know, highly optimized for the particular chipset. So they probably do a little custom, uh, kernel job on there to make sure that, uh, you're going to get the best performance you can out of the kernel. All right. That sounds interesting. I might have to give that one a shot when I find some free time, whenever that will be. Um, 
All right. So moving on from that, let's talk about some ev- events in open source. Um, I found a couple. I got to say that September is a really terrible month for finding open source conferences and things like that. There's just not a lot of stuff going on. August is really busy and October and November are really busy. Everybody apparently just goes away in September. I don't... It's probably because people are trying to get their kids in school, blah, 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 blah. And they're just like, bah. yeah, well, we're Same. talking worldwide here. You know, kids go to school worldwide. No, I get that, oh, okay. <laughs> but, but it would seem like somewhere in the world, there would be conferences to go to in September, but apparently they're just kind of few and far between. But anyway, I did find a few, uh, most of these might be more geared to our European listeners, but we have some of those. So these are probably worthwhile. The first one is the open networking summit Europe. This one is from September 23rd to 25th in Antwerp, Belgium. I believe we did mention this one on the last one as well, but it's coming up soon. The Open Networking Summit is the industry's premier open networking event, enabling collaborative development and innovation across enterprises, service providers, and cloud providers, and discussing the future of open source networking, including SDN, NFV, VNF, CNF slash cloud, native networking, orchestration, automation of cloud, core network, edge, access, and IoT. <sighs> okay, so there's a lot of stuff there. And if you happen to be in Antwerp, or can get to Antwerp, maybe you should check that one out. And not too far away at the same time is the German Open Stack Days, or the Deutsche Open Stack Tage, uh, which is from September 24th through 26th of this year in Berlin, Germany. Apparently, all of this will be done in German. So it's a German-speaking conference. So just be aware of that if you decide to go and don't know German. Uh, cloud computing, and by the way, this was translated from German. I think I cleaned it up. <laughs> So we'll see. <laughs> uh, cloud computing is the solution for flexible and efficient IT management, whether for decentralized data storage or a platform for diverse systems. Named after the modular cloud platform OpenStack, the DOST, which is the Deutsche OpenStack Taga, or German OpenStack Days, is also focusing on a variety of cloud infrastructure projects such as Docker, Kubernetes, and Ceph. Several user workshops on the day before the conference supplement and deepen the expert knowledge of the lecture program. The parallel sponsor exhibition offers the opportunity to get in contact with company representatives and speakers, benefit from well-founded know-how and interesting discussions, and take the opportunity to network in the OpenStack community. Actually, that read pretty well. So uh, that's, that'd, be, that'd be awkward to go to an all-German conference and not know that. <laughs> well, that's yeah. why I like was making sure. Thing, like, uh, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Sprechen's Day English? <laughs> uh, and then also, I found this, which is the Grace Hopper Celebration. This runs from October 1st through the 4th of 2019. It's down in Orlando, Florida, so this one will probably be in English. Um, could be in Spanish, I guess. I'm not sure. Uh, the Grace Hopper Celebration of Women in Commuting is the world's largest gathering of women technologists. Sessions will address security and privacy, Internet of Things, inclusion and cultural awareness, architecture and design of large-scale software, and more. Scheduled keynote speakers are uh, Aicha Evans, CEO of Zooks, Anna Roca Castro, CEO of Genius Plaza, Nani De La Pena, CEO and founder of Emblematic Group, and Vivian Ming, co-founder of Socos Labs. So that's down in Florida. And of course, links to all of these open source events coming up in late September and early October will be in the show notes. So if you want to check any of those out, please do. And for an open source challenge, 
I just threw this in because I couldn't think of anything else, and it's been a while since I've done it. So I said, try out a classic video game emulator on a Linux platform and revel in the 8-bit glory. So whether you want to use a Sega Genesis or an N64 or an original Nintendo, or even go to the old arcade stand-ups using MAME or some other emulator, you know, do that. Play some games. Revel in the retro. <laughs> yeah, you can you can get DOSBox to run, uh, you know, Commander Keen if you really want to. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you've got the old CGA games too. So there you go. Lots of lots of stuff to play. Fun things. So speaking of fun things, let's move into hedonism. Let's dive directly into the. So what do we Head call first. this? The, the dumps, the hedon, the hedon dumps, the hedon dumpster, the, hum, the humpster. There we go. The, the humpster. Anyway, no, not a good name. <laughs> so Cheryl's going to tell us about some food. What do we got on the menu tonight? Well, tonight we are going to talk about um, what I fixed for dinner last Sunday. We had some friends over for a football watch party, and we needed a meal that could be approved that would be approved by everybody. Um, but I didn't want to have to fuss with it because I wanted to hang out with everybody. So I chose. Slow cooker Thai peanut chicken. It was well liked by everyone. Um, we had pasta and rice because some people only liked pasta, some people only liked rice. Um, and the recipe actually calls for zucchini and red bell pepper. Um, the zucchini in our grocery store uh, wasn't looking very well and they were out of red bell peppers. So I substituted a green bell pepper and broccoli, which I believe was suitable the green bell pepper and broccoli were actually excellent i'm not sure that i would have liked it with the zucchini anyway so okay no, no. i mean it... i like zucchini but i love broccoli so. right yeah so I, I love it i love the broccoli broccoli is so good i love it <laughs> <laughs> whatever <laughs> if anybody could see what he was just doing in the office yeah <laughs> I think we can all imagine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just go with that. Yeah. So, but for this, it's a very quick and easy recipe. You need some minced garlic, peanut butter, which I mixed creamy and crunchy peanut butters together. Uh, chicken broth, uh, boneless, skinless chicken breasts cut into cubes. Um, again, zucchini and or broccoli. It's up to you. Soy sauce, sugar, uh, red, yellow, or green bell pepper, doesn't really matter. Some lime juice, some cilantro, some chopped peanuts for garnish, and of course you need some noodles or some rice, and poof, you have dinner. So, Well, you have dinner after you go through the two paragraphs of directions that you have listed here. Uh, two <laughs> paragraphs? There's yeah. like six lines there. <clears throat> six lines can be two paragraphs. Well, okay, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, you dump everything in the crock pot, turn it on high or low, whichever you want to do, and then you have dinner. Are you just making this up as you go or what? I mean, no. (laughs) You said put it on high or low or no, you can do either one. It depends. Shorter time. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on how quickly you I just didn't know if you actually needed like peanuts or peanut butter. I guess you could just make it any way you want to. (laughs) When you start cooking, we'll talk about it, okay? So. All right. So if you like boiled chicken, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Russ can't even handle that. So because he doesn't cook, yeah. I, I could if I felt like cooking, which I don't. So yeah, yeah crockpots are great. You just throw the stuff in there and turn it on, and 
Oh, you open it up afterwards and it's like, yeah, I need something added to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he was, he commented on it probably 30 minutes after I started it. You know, he like passed through, you know, a room 20 feet away and yeah. went, okay, that smells amazing. So, yeah, uh, that's I, the only I, bad part with this. Like, you smell that all day long if you're in the house. Right. <laughs> right. right. So, <sighs> it's like that on poker days because we always have you know three or four different entrees going because we have like a buffet style meal whenever we do poker and you can always the house is filled with the smell of food all day and yeah. and we know we're going to eat you know pretty heavy because there's lots of food so we can't eat during the day we have to wait till, till dinner till dinner yeah. time so yeah it's always fun <laughs> or not so all right so moving on we're going to hit my drink corner for tonight, and I thought I had done this one before, but I haven't, so I'm going to do it tonight. This is the Glenmorangie 12-year-old Nectar d'Or single malt scotch. Uh, nectar d'Or is golden nectar. It's French. There you go. <laughs> um, the, uh, yes. The reason it has a French name is, well, let me talk a little bit about Glenmorangie. The Morgy Distillery was established in 1843 on the Dornach Firth by brothers William and John Matheson. The site originally held a farm distillery under the name Morangy. There is evidence that distillery was carried out at this site during the early 18th century. Production began in November of 1849, and during the latter part of the 19th century, Glen Morangy became overse- uh, began overseas exportation and destinations included Europe and the U.S. So that's why we have Glen Morangy. And also Glen Morangy is, uh, uses barrels from Missouri Stave or now Missouri Cooperage. Cooperage, right, as we saw yesterday. In Lebanon, Missouri, just up the road from us. So that's where they get their barrels from. Um, this particular expression of Glen Morangy is one of their 12 year special expressions like Signet and, uh, Quinta Rubin and the other one, whatever it's called. <laughs> um, this one is special because it's aged in uh, Sauternes or Sautern, I think it's Sautern barrels, wine barrels. And Sautern, no, it's Sauternes, something like that. Anyway, it's S A U T E R N E S, Sauternes. Um, it's a sweet wine from the bordeaux region of france so the so the whiskey is aged in ex bourbon casks and then it's aged in ex sauternes casks to give it a you know wine ish flavor i guess was the idea behind it uh because it is a single malt scotch the mash bill is pretty easy to figure out it's 100 percent malted barley because it's a single malt scotch the ABV on it is 46%, which is 92 proof. It is a Highland. Glenmorangie is a Highland scotch. Uh, the color on this is really interesting for a scotch because of the fact that it's aged in wine barrels. kind of takes away some of the the ex-bourbon cask um, coloring and adds a golden flair to it. So it's like a, it's like a slightly burnished 18-carat gold color. It's very light and golden. It's kind of like flaxen hair. Uh, the nose on it is uh, very sweet. It's a very sweet scotch. So if you're into sweet things, you probably like this a lot. It definitely has a dessert wine flavor, very forward from the Sauternes. Uh, it uh, has a lot of generic fruity sweetness on the nose. Uh, you can pick out some of the things like apricot nectarine, um, also just a sugar sweetness, some honey, a little bit of almond, and a faint citrus note if you nose it for any length of time. 
on the taste it again is very sweet vanilla and orange and apple are very forward but you start picking up some of the barrel notes when you taste it you get a little bit of pepper some golden raisin a little bit of cinnamon the almonds a little persistent but it's kind of in the back and then you get some of the wood some of the spices from the oak barrels uh both of the barrels you're picking up so it's still on the sweeter side and then the finish is is really nice um it doesn't last terribly long it it dries out a little bit because of the wine influence uh, but you're still getting some of the classic flavors that you were getting in the taste you get the vanilla you get some of that citrus it's not as sweet on the finish that kind of goes away as it's evaporating in your mouth uh you get more of the barrel and you get a little bit of honeysuckle and some of that almond is still persistent in there as well so it's it is on the sweeter side um it's a it's a good scotch for sure um it's not one of my favorites because it's it's basically everything is is leaning towards sweet so it doesn't have a lot of complexity necessarily it does have a variety of flavors it's just not uh broad on the spectrum uh but overall it's pretty good this is a 12 year old expression so with that carries a little bit of a higher price these bottles range from about 65 to 90 dollars depending on where you get it from I think I paid mid seventies, but, um, you know, you can find it pretty well. And of course there'll be newer expressions of it as it, as the years go on. So, um, this isn't my favorite of the 12 year Glenmorangies. Um, Signet, I mean, is obviously much better. So I'll give this one probably, um, I don't know, an 88, I think is a good place to put it. 87, 88, somewhere in there. I'm not sure which one I'll give. You can check the show notes if you, uh, (laughs) <laughs> you can figure out where I land on that 87 or 88. But anyway, it's right in, right in there somewhere. It's pretty low for you. Yeah. But like, that's like not good. Yeah. <laughs> I think the lowest score you've given is 86 for something you really hated. <laughs> no, I gave an 80 for something. Oh, I don't remember that one, but <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't, I don't think I've given anything in the seventies yet, but 80 is down in the, th- like 80 is down where I probably wouldn't buy it again. <laughs> yeah. So, it um, is what they say it is. And that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Must be the litmus test. Yeah. Something like that. Basically, if it's down into the sixties and seventies, it's not even whiskey. <laughs> so, uh, Turpentine. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And I mean, this is not, it's not bad by any means. It's just not very complex. It's, it's all about the sweetness and the wine finish. And if that's something you think might be interesting to you, you probably like this a lot more than I do. Um, but I mean, you know, there you go. And, and to, to put $75 down, down on a bottle, you want to be sure this is kind of like what you want to drink. <laughs> so I want to try and be as honest as I can about it. So anyway, well, you, that's, you were honestly drinking a lot of it though. You said today I was, <laughs> and it, it, the, the more you drink of it, the drier it gets. So that yeah, might better help. It gets, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm anyway, find the really good, the good swig at the bottom of the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best one. You never know. So that's the Glen Morangy 12-year-old Nectar d'Or single malt scotch. So if that sounds interesting to you, give it a shot. All right, Bill, what do you got? Okay, so I have my uh, my other crowler that I brought home that uh, I talked about the other one uh, the other week. And this one is from Uber Brew as well, and it's uh, called Pink Slip. And it's uh, 5% uh, ABV, and it's a fruit beer. It's not even an IPA. Imagine that. Oh, my. Yeah, and it's sweet, and uh, yeah, I'd give it like like six. No, just kidding. It's, it's not bad. It's just not something I would order myself. I just saw it in the fridge, and I'm like, well, nobody's going to drink that except for me. So even your wife won't it. drink it. 
Well, she'll have like a sip of something. So, yeah. but yeah. if I get done here soon enough, I actually get to go there for dinner and have a real beer. So, because ah. <laughs> they're a brew pub, and uh, yeah, so that's that, that's well, maybe we should let fun. you go because we're we're pretty much done unless you got more to say about your beer. No, no, but uh, it's good that uh, you know they're uh, actually putting a second. Uh, well, it's a super secret, but I think they're putting a second. It's alleged that they're putting a second brewery in place. So Ooh. with the canning area and everything. So it's uh they're growing. So it's it's nice to see that. Oh, very cool. So with that, I think we have come down to the bottom of our topics, which means we should wrap up this, which is the what did I say, thirty-fourth weekender that we've done, episode number three hundred and four of linux in the ham shack so we hope you have a great couple of weeks and enjoy some things over the next uh upcoming weekends and uh feel free to visit us on discord and, and free note irc and all the places that we hang out in we'd love to hear from you uh, don't don't forget about all those chats and ways to get in touch with us when we're not actually you know recording a show and if you need more information about that just listen through the outro and all the information is there in the meantime uh, we'll be packing it up for this week, and then we'll be recording episode number 304, our deep dive on Monday. So, Yes, so everybody, Russ just said this was episode 304. It's actually 303. 303. 304 will be next week. That's what I said. I just no. said we will be recording episode 303. Oh, did A I say? A few moments ago, you said this is episode. Are you? That, no, no, yeah. no. Oh, yes, did I? Yes, you did. Okay, well, <laughs> I got confused because it was the, it was the thirty fourth. He's been drinking that sweet ass. Uh, right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, all day long. Thirty fourth <laughs> weekender, but episode three hundred three. There you go. Okay. Yeah. The, the much better. Right. Three hundred four will be the cloud log deep dive so next week. Next week, please yes. tune in for that. It's going to be a good one. And in the meantime, I'm Russ K five TUX. I'm Cheryl W five MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8 pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hand 
email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.